0: Welcome back to another episode of the F1 Talking Points podcast. Today, it is just me and Tomo. Unfortunately, the two merchants, they can make it. You know, nah, Matt's nah, this busy. is better,
1: mate. This is better. Ban better. them off.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. No more highlight merchants, no more Ricardo defending. Although, there might be some Ricardo slander. You never know. Just for Matt. I mean, we've got to do it um but yeah so just me and tomo for this one today we're going to talk about quite a few different topics a bit of news as well that uh, recently has been announced but the bulk of this topic or the bulk of this video is going to be talking about red bull and sergio perez now to be brutally honest actually thinking back even all the way to 2019 i feel like that second seat is just always in the news every single year and as good as sergio perez started at the beginning of the season it is beginning to tail off a little bit for him and what's really interesting is that compared to you know previous seasons Red Bull are winning the championship. They're probably they're on their way to winning both the drivers with Max, potentially even in Singapore which we'll get to, and I'm sure they're going to, you know, win the constructors as well. But with Sergio Perez's recent kind of performance slump to be honest, especially since kind of the mid portion of the season, yet again his seat is uh, being called into question. So the way I kind of want to do this is actually beginning or talking about the beginning of the year because what did you feel in the first 5 or 6 races Tomo in terms of Sergio Perez, the way he started because especially with these brand new cars and their kind of handling characteristics before Red Bull really kind of were able to put more upgrades and kind of suit the car more towards what they need. It did look like Sergio Perez made a massive step at the beginning of 2022.
1: Yeah, I wasn't hugely surprised at the start of the year. Again, given that fresh slate, it would give a lot of drivers opportunities to kind of uh, reaffirm their position. Obviously, Sergio hadn't been at the team for particularly long and Max was well embedded into Red Bull. And um, there was a lot of mutual understanding between him and the team. And so for Sergio to have like a strong start to the year, because he is clearly, I mean, again, 2020 arguably driver of the year that season. Um, he's clearly a very, very capable Formula One driver. There's no shed of doubt or question around that. Um, so I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't massively surprised. Obviously, <clears throat> Saudi Arabia was a was a big highlight. Monaco as well, even though there was probably a bit of luck involved in that Monaco result. I think the Saudi result was was a really strong one. Um but again I, I just think that as time has gone on and you look at the the relative gaps between, you know, not even just um Shaw and Carlos and, and George and Lewis, the other, you know, two teams that are up the top, but various driver pairings throughout the grid. I just it's a shame, but also I felt like it was gonna be an inevitability that the gap would open back up to what we saw kind of last year, where at the end of the day, sure, Sergio did his bit. He, for sure, he did his bit. No, no doubt last year. To help Max for the championship, he got a win. He was there to pick up the pieces. But you look at that relative delta and you have to ask questions. But again, this is the third driver it's happened to. So I think the questions, it, it, it's, it's clearly something deeper than just putting it on the driver. I think there's a lot of things going on in the background which we don't know. Uh, and, and just not from, a, not from a conspiracy point of view, but just from a, we don't know what, what how the teams are setting up the cars, how, how they're approaching the design, how much Max has a influence on the movement of that car. Because look, it's the job of an F1 team to make a fast car. And it's job of the driver to adapt. And it just feels like the performance window of that red ball, compared to the performance window of a Ferrari, perhaps, you need a really special driver to make the most of it. Or maybe just Max is that good. And maybe it is just that out ass. I don't know, mate.
0: I feel like there is almost there's still this unknown about Max Verstappen because it's difficult to compare the Max now to the Max that went up against Daniel Ricardo. I mean I feel like they're two different drivers. I feel like Max really, especially in twenty nineteen with Ricardo leaving, made such a big step up, not just in terms of not just in terms of maybe raw speed because I think it was always there but just as an overall package and as a leader by 2019 even though Gasly was kind of the even he even though Gasly was older that was Max's team you know Max was the number 1 and it was Gasly who needed to almost catch up a little bit so he, ever since then he's been the leader of Red Bull and um i think looking at Sergio this season i mean the highlights of the beginning of the year it was very it was really good to see actually because it brought even more excitement into 2022 I never kind of got onto the train of, oh my God, could Sergio Perez be like a title contender? I feel we always knew that Max, especially at the beginning of the year, you could see that Max was struggling. He wasn't shying away from it. I remember after qualifying in Australia, I think he said that he really just didn't like the car. Like it just wasn't, he just wasn't vibing with it. Um, but there were those highlights. I mean, that pole position in Saudi Arabia, he got really unlucky, I think, with the safety car there. He was leading that first portion of the stint. And then obviously, you know, dropped back behind Leclerc and Max. Um and then obviously Monaco as well. And as much you know, as you can say about luck, Max wasn't quite in the zone and in the rhythm around Monaco. And it was Sergio who, yes, rode his luck a little bit, and I'm sure the uh, I'm sure Ferrari helped out helped that out a little bit as well. But it did look like the beginning of the season. It was a lot more closer. I mean, Red Bull especially were able to put that pressure on Ferrari very early on, despite the fact that I think Ferrari definitely had the better. Overall, kind of package, or certainly in terms of car speed, even on a Sunday at the beginning of the season, but it was that combination of Max and Sergio kind of performing, maybe not at Max's best, but Sergio, you know, certainly Sergio performing, I think, better than ever, really, especially when you think about the pressure of a top team, and it really started to fall apart. I think around Canada time now, there's always uh, there's a great uh, graphic actually that the race uh, produced in terms of their qualifying uh, differences and especially in the wet, Sergio is just nowhere near max, we're talking seconds. so even as early as Canada, obviously crashed off in quality, there was, you know, that's kind of where it all started, and especially since the summer break, whether you want to talk about the technical, uh, you know, the technical directive of the floor, or it's just the upgrades of the Red Ball, he has dropped off again, back to the Gasly Albon kind of level, I mean, I think uh, six and a half tenths is the average in terms of their qualifying, and the problem is is that that's coincided with mercedes especially really upping their game i mean i think the pa- the combination of lewis and george is arguably i think they're the best uh, teammate combination on the grid to be honest right up there with the ferrari drivers as well and what that means is that there even though sergio does have a quick car there is no hiding there's no doubt about it so it's been very interesting how this the kind of this uh since the summer break max has been dominating but sergio has been further than ever
1: yeah, because, I mean, so many great drivers over even just recent years. You look at Daniel Ricciardo at McLaren. You look at Sebastian Vettel at Ferrari in 2020. You you look at, you know, numerous, there's numerous examples, and we see, we're seeing it from Checo now, where, you know, drivers who have proven how good they are, right, in, in the right machinery, in the right environment, you know, it, it, can, it can take a car that you're not comfortable, if you're not fully comfortable with the package you've got, and your teammates killing it, which was the case for, you know, again, 7-2020, because Charles was doing a great job. It, it was the case for, um, for, for Daniel at the minute, relative to Lando. Those pressures, I think, can really amplify that lack of confidence in the car. And then all of a sudden, and again, I, I think, like you say, that, that Delta being so big in the wet, in the wet is, is the true test of like, how at one do you feel with this piece of machinery? Because drivers talk all, about, all the time about just getting into this kind of zone a zone where you're not having to think about what you're doing and you can just do it on autopilot and you've got that instinctive feel and you feel like Max uh, has, has clearly got that more than, than Sergio has at the moment. Lando's clearly got that more than Daniel has at the moment and Charles clearly had that more than Seb did in in 2020. So I just think that there's, it. it's frustrating because I think also this is, this is just the, the deal with the sport. This is the deal with Formula One is that you know the team is going to push the car in a direction that's going to make it quicker, and if one driver can adapt but the other one can't, I think it's tough shit. You know what I mean? I think I think it's something you've got to deal with because the team's always going to want to add performance. It's always going to want to push in a direction, and if your you know if your lead driver is able to extract that, you can't expect the team to to, to facilitate and. I think there's also a conversation as well around, you know, are Red Bull happy with this? I mean, it's probably not ideal, but also, I mean, it, it, when it comes to all great dominations in the sport, whether it was Lewis with with Valtteri helping him out, whether it was Schumacher with Barrichello helping him out, you know, is this really a problem for Red Bull? Um, it might be a problem for Sergio, you know, on a personal level because he wants to fight. Of course he does. But also, I think he, he knows the, the cards that he's been dealt. I think he'd be he'd be naive to not realise that, and of course he's going to push and want to make Red Bull rethink their maybe long term strategy. But Max Verstappen's still only twenty four, and he's had eight years of experience in Formula One at the end of this year, which is insane. He's the he's the current, he's he's the past, he's the present, and he is the future of that team. That's the thing.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about that. It's twenty four years old, Max Verstappen. It honestly feels like he's been in the sport forever. But it's mad, yeah, it? it's mad. Yeah, I think with. In terms of the car difference and what's been happening from everything that we know, at the beginning of the season, these 18-inch Pirellis, the actual characteristics of the tyres, just meant that there was more understeer in the car. So that kind of, in the RB, you know, 16 kind of era, both in 2020 and 2021, that characteristic was a pointy front end, kind of loose at the rear, but that turn-in is exactly what Max wanted. Very kind of stable at the front, but not as stable at the rear. So, But he could handle that, and he used that to his advantage. That's what he thrived on. And ultimately, that's what got the most performance out of that generation of Red Bulls. Now, going into this season with these brand new tyres and these brand new cars, heavier as well it was much more understeer at the front, which is exactly what, actually it's more it's what more traditional drivers kind of, you know, are more used to. So that's why it brought it kind of further more towards Sergio. And hmm. Max just wasn't feeling that front end. He wasn't turning it. It just didn't give him the rotation that he wanted. But as the team have put performance on the car, I think it's important to kind of differentiate that. The team aren't specifically going to Max and asking what he wants and disregarding what Sergio Perez wants, but as they're putting performance on the car, where they're finding it in the wind tunnel or through their research, naturally Max Verstappen is able to get more performance out of that car than Sergio Perez is. So it's not as if they're not listening to Sergio. It's that Max is getting even more performance and look at well, the results that he's been able to accumulate over the past five races.
1: It, it's almost like, yeah, like Red Bull are adding performance, then they're giving the car to the drivers. And, you know, well, they're adding theoretical performance because that's all they can do until yeah. the actual drivers got into the car. And then almost because Max just has this freakish ability to be able to drive a car that's teetering on the edge, because he's able to extract that performance, that's kind of working against Checkout. If if they didn't have Max, then obviously they would try out these and, and then they wouldn't see the same gains. So potentially they would go in a different direction. But it's almost because that Max is able to extract that on-the-edge performance you know compared to say say there were two Sergio Perezs where you know they the, the drivers wouldn't be able to extract that performance and then potentially they'd go in a different direction and, and, and again when you when you look at how close the relative delta is between Russell and Hamilton between you know Sainz and Leclerc i think that's that's closed up if anything i i, I think yeah, those teammate yeah, sure. pairs have got closer if anything and it it just feels that again whether this is A product of just max just being that good that's the thing as well like maybe it's just that maybe he's just that good he's got that style that they're just able to chuck a a temperamental edgy car and he's just able to make it work like maybe that is the biggest factor here
0: and also i want to and i really want to get your thoughts on this but just kind of a little theory that i have is that at the beginning of the season because that car was a little bit further away from max i mean he wasn't 100 percent comfortable with it it was much closer to checo we did see that ferrari and red bull it was track to track you know which uh, team had the stronger had the stronger package but ever since the team have found performance or again put that theoretical performance onto the car and max has been able to extract a lot more out of it because it suits him a lot more that car has been a lot more dominant and i think that's what's quite interesting to me in terms of when the car was closer to checo we had a much more closer battle between Red Bull and Ferrari, but now that it is closer to Max, I mean, that car is dominant. You know, Ferrari can have a few, they've had a few pole positions, obviously, they still have performance, but that car now is dominant in the races. And I mean, you can, you know, Max can start on pole position, he can start on in P14, he can start on, from the pit lane, and he just seems to be able to win because that car, in his hands specifically, is unbelievably dominant. So how do you think that trade-off, you know, is this sustainable for the future because this is the trade-off that i think we're seeing now like that car in max's hands is dominant much more so than it was at the beginning of the season because and i think it's totally related to the fact that checo is now further away but is this sustainable as ferrari and mercedes potentially improve in 2023
1: i think in an in an ideal world of course you give you know both both drivers are able to extract top performance out of the car question is right and again you you look at I think Mercedes were so clear in 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 twenty sixteen that I think the, the Hamilton Rosberg battling didn't massively, apart from Catalunya, obviously um, didn't massively kind of impact their ability to fight. But Toto Wolff's talked about this; he, he'd rather have, you know, he he doesn't want drivers that are bickering and fighting, and you know he kind of inherited that Hamilton Rosberg um, um, driver lineup. So look, there's there's clear pros and cons to having. Because the cons to having two drivers who are at a very similar level at the same team uh, fighting at the front, there are clear cons to that. Because all of a sudden then it's like, okay, when you're bringing upgrades to the car, you have to be like, you can't really preference. Whereas Red Bull, obviously, when they've got a new upgrade, they're obviously going to give it to Max first. That's a no-brainer decision and no one's really going to begrudge them for that. I mean, they shouldn't because at the end of the day, if they want to maximise their chances of winning. But then, counteractively, of course, yeah, Checo isn't up there as much as he, you know, could be or should be. Say this championship, Charles is only 20 points behind, which maybe he should be with all the strategies we've seen this season. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I think if if was right up there fighting with Max, I think Checo being off as far as he is at the moment would be a bigger issue for Red Bull. Right now, it's not a massive problem because he's opened up this massive delta and Ferrari's incompetence has, has for sure helped them out. But I do also think, yeah, going forwards, I, I know teams say that they, you know, the constructors is the most important thing to them. I would disagree. I, I don't. Th- I don't think it is. I, I think the marketing, the marketing pull of a driver's champion, that's what people remember. No one gives a toss that Mercedes won the constructors championship last year. No one gives a toss that Ferrari won the constructors championship in two thousand eight when Lewis won his first title. Like um that doesn't get remembered. That doesn't. Yes, you get a little bit more prize money, but in terms of you know legacy, from that point of view, you know it's driver's championships that people remember. Um, but I, I don't know. I, would if you were a team principal at us, what would you would you rather have a Hamilton Russell or or a Charles Carlos, where where you know there is maybe one driver that's slightly ahead, but is pretty close, or would you rather have a bigger delta where you've got a Max Verstappen who is maybe that extra little cut above, but then the second driver you can't guarantee on them fighting and, and taking points off of others, I suppose.
0: Uh, definitely. I mean, if I was, what what has history taught us? Really, that you need a number one and a number two driver. Like even at Mercedes now. I mean, I love the combination of Hamilton and and Russell. It's exciting. You know, they're going at it uh, on track as well. We've seen it already. But even in Zandvoort, there's just a little bit of tension opening when uh, I think uh, George Russell was asked. You know, if the team asked you to stay out on uh you know worn tires just to protect Lewis, would you have done it? And you can see just Russell going. Mm, <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure. I would be doing that. So you can see, I'm not saying I'm not the, like there's massive beef or something, but you can see something already stirring in Russell where I don't want to help Hamilton. I've, you know, I want to, I've got my own career as much as Lewis yeah, is, course. you know, the seven-time champion. So that eventual rift is going to open, and it's going to open more as the car gets more competitive. That is totally natural. I don't. I actually don't know any. I mean, you can tell me, like, give give me a shout. Tell me a combination of two absolute alpha drivers where it's actually worked. You know, for year after year after year, like. It usually they usually fall apart at some point or there's some kind of tension in the team that naturally, you know, wants them to kind of split. So it's something that's totally natural in Formula 1. And I think that sustainably, you need a number one and a number two. Now, when you threw out the words having a big delta between the two of them, that doesn't make me as excited about a number one and a number two because that gives opportunities to, you know, teams with potentially better driver lineups. But I think it's all about how much performance uh, does Max Verstappen have in hand over the rest of the grid so i mean if they if they were as they are now no problem max has just won what the last five races in a row so he's absolutely chilling and to be fair i'm looking at the championship right now what's crazy is that Charles Leclerc has won three races sergio perez has only won one and yet sergio perez is third in the championship only nine points behind charlotte Leclerc. so that good start to the season that he had he's still fighting for second in the championship which just seems bizarre, like Charles Leclerc should be miles ahead. And when you actually look at the top three teams and the six drivers in those teams, there is no doubt that if you ranked all of them, Sergio Perez is a firm, firm sixth. He is undoubtedly the worst driver out of that incredible pack that we have at the top, and maybe that speaks to the quality of the top of the grid, but it's all about what's sustainable. How how dominant of a car can Red Bull provide Max and can he almost overcome that deficit of not having a teammate that might not be able to help him against the Ferraris and Mercedeses in the future but if he has enough of a performance advantage over Ferrari and Mercedes then maybe he doesn't need Sergio Perez so it's kind of down to Red Bull in a way but I also think what's important is the relationship between Sergio Perez and Max Verstappen as well and at the moment it looks pretty good i mean i don't know about you know what you think but it looks it looks pretty good
1: yeah i mean i i think that's Right now, right now it's perfect. Because again, again, I think different teams, so say you're a midfield team or, or even a low, any team that isn't realistically fighting for wins, I think having two alphas isn't a bad thing. I, I, I think that's, you need those presences, you need those, that experience to push the car development forward. As soon as you start fighting for championships, that, that's where it becomes an issue. But like you say, I, I think, you know, Checo was, was out of the sport at one stage you know, we we thought he'd be coming off the back of yeah. arguably his strongest season in Formula 1, he was potentially going to be losing his seat altogether, which obviously would have been like, and, and I've said this a million times before, you know, it was the right decision to replace Albon with Checo. Like, clearly, right? With a driver of Checo's stature after his 2020 season, it was a no-brainer to get in a driver with that experience who would be able to be a more kind of, solid pair of hands which he has been um to to, to what extent now this season it, it's hard to say because I think Albon's now proving that you know he is a very competent driver and I think there is more to Checo's gap to Max than just driver talent right but look at the end of that I just think that you know they've got a really good position now again I think Max yeah Max and Checo get along great there's a great working relationship there I think there's a good understanding there's been a couple of times especially earlier in the season where Checo wasn't too happy with, you know, decisions the team were making, which seemed to prioritise Max. Um, but they kind of, you know, they kept a lid on it, Red Bull. And I think obviously now that gaps opens, you know, Checo would just have, like, at the start of the season, fair enough, him pushing back, just like George pushed back um, to Mercedes telling him to, you know, if they were to tell him to to compromise his race to help Lewis. I think at the start of the season, fair enough, because Checo was in the straight fight. Yes, Checo's fighting for second, but I mean that is because of Ferrari's incompetence more than it is of Checo's performance. Yeah, you know, if you just take the first half of of the season, you'd put Checo above science, you'd put Checo maybe even above Hamilton, because you know, Hamilton with the experimental setups on his car wasn't delivering the levels that he has been in the second half of the year. Um, yeah, look, I, I just think right now it it's solid. And all, all the Red Bull talk around, you know. Alfa being a sister team now potentially bringing Nick, Nick De You just wonder that, you know, Checo's what 33 I think, 32 33 I think it's yeah, around Yeah, 32 the age. 33. And so they they can get a, a bunch more years out of him where he's 32. He's, uh, 32. Okay, yeah. So they've 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 got time to, you know, look for that next driver I suppose, but are they in any rush because, you know, they've got their They've got the marquee driver. They've got Verstappen, who they're going to get at least another ten years out of. Minimum, he still only be thirty-four in ten years' time. Like, they could get him, could could get more out of him than that. So, <clears throat> do they? Is there pressure like there has there was on Mercedes? Because you know, Russell's coming in. Yes, they've got kind of two alphas almost in Russell and Hamilton. But that's because Russell is being lined up as Hamilton's replacement for when he eventually retires. It's kind of slightly different there. Um, and obviously there's this transition where there's going to be, like you said, at example where it, it might get a bit prickly at times. But, yeah, I, I just think that, you know, Red Bull right now don't have a problem. But I think long term they need to be they need to be, I guess, careful as well, um, because, you know, Christian Horner's talked about being disappointed that Oscar Piastri kind of slipped through his fingers because there was an opportunity to sign him. A while back i worry about that for mclaren you know lando's you know firmly on top at the minute in that team piastri comes in if you put some worldies in maybe that upsets the apple cart a bit but again i think when you're a midfield team there's you know if mclaren were fighting for championships and you had a a really competitive piastri pushing norris it could come to blows but i think while that's a midfield team it's okay um but i do i think red bull need to you know play their cards right long term because you know, they do have this really clear one and two, which no other teams apart from Williams seem to have, really. You know
0: what I mean? Willie, that was, that was a little bit of a prop to your boy Albon, wasn't it? Just a little mini bit of prop. Um, Actually, to be fair, talking of Albon, just to really kind of uh, piggyback on something that you said, I think what's quite interesting is that, again, at the end of 2020 or even midway through 2020, Sergio Perez was out of Formula One, having the season of his life in the pink Mercedes, um, and st- stunningly, it was a top team that fl- that kind of uh, threw him, um, you know, a life raft. It was just, it was unbelievable. I mean, that- how often does that happen? You know, that that you actually like end up out of the sport, but then a top team with a championship level car next season end up, you know, helping you out. So he was in a- such a strange position. But I think the Albon thing on pure performance, I don't think Al- I don't think Sergio Perez now is doing any better than what Albon was doing in twenty twenty. I think all all it was is mental. You Albon, I think we forget he was in his second year. Mm. And I could tell in 2020, there were some interviews where he was it was hitting him more than the way it's hitting Sergio now. Sergio has a decade of experience in Formula One. Alex in 2020 was struggling with just the pressure of you know people saying that he's struggling, that gap between him and Max kind of being brought up in almost every single interview, almost every yeah. single race. And I think he needed to be taken out of that environment. So I, d- I totally don't blame Red Bull for doing what they did. And I feel like what Sergio is doing now is that I don't see him crumble kind of I don't see him showing you know the same cracks that Albon did in 2020 in some of his interviews I think he's a lot more kind of circumspect he's a lot more he's he knows exactly the situation that he's in and something again that I think is that even if I was Sergio Perez right now you've got to have that kind of you've got to be pragmatic pragmatic and think you know I could be I could be in Alpine right now if if Red Bull wanted to drop me today I'm sure Alpine would pick him up right away I mean I mean, maybe the whole Ocon Paris relationship might make it a bit difficult, but in terms of the quality of driver that he is, he would command a top, top seat. Like he would, in my opinion, he would be above Gasly, above Ricciardo as one of the absolute better drivers in that midfield. But is that what you really, you you know, is that a better quality of life when it comes to racing? slumming it in the midfield maybe getting a podium if the stars align or is it better to be a top driver have a big contract which he did Mm. get you know after monaco Mm. and be always in that fight for the podium so you've got to have that pragmatism you know what's what's a better quality of life and what are you happy to deal with because if you're happy to be a top team and play that number two being at red Bull as a number two driver is not a bad way to go all things you know considered
1: it's still like an incredible... I mean, it's a privilege just to be on the F1 grid, let alone in a car that can fight for wins. I, I think, yeah, look, it's it's a very human choice, right? You know, Nico Rosberg retired after he won his first championship at the age of 31. You know, Fernando Alonso, Kimi Raikkonen have gone long into their 40s. You know, different people want different things, right? And not just in F1, you could, you know... Some people, when they set up a business, would be satisfied with just something that does them over, pays for their mortgage, supports their family, um, and and gives them time freedom. Other people want to build, you know, a multinational corporation that turns over billions, and they can become a you know a CEO and and live the higher life. Like ev- everyone wants different things in life, and all these drivers are human beings. And you know, Checo's in a situation now where he is in a race winning car. Um, is he going to win a championship? At Red Bull. Uh, I mean, I, I think that's incredibly unlikely when you've got a teammate like Max Verstappen, and you know. But maybe he's. You know, I, I think it just depends on what level of acceptance there is there, I suppose, and, and and how happy he is with how things sit. Would you know? Some drivers would prefer to go to a smaller team where they can be the leader. We've kind of seen that with Bottas. Um, to an extent where he's gone to Afro-Mau. They've given him that kind of security in a long-term deal and he's got that kind of leadership role. And I think he's kind of thriving off that. He's, he says he's, he's happier than ever, really. He, and he, he's arguably happier in that situation than he was when he was at Mercedes in a title-winning car where he'd always win the first race of the season and we'd all gas him up and then it Both would just
0: fall away. 30.0. This is it. This is the championship <laughs> charge this season. He's an
1: Australia merchant. That's what he Australia is. Australia um, merchant. That's what... <laughs> And uh, yeah, I, yeah I, it just depends on what you want. And I, I think that, you know, that there's no right or wrong answer. I think Checo's, again, doing the job that Red Bull need him to do for now. Would he like to be closer to Max? Sure. Um, but also, yeah, we're having this discussion. But is it really an issue that Checo's quite a bit off Max in this context? No, it's not. I I, I think, you know, when, um, when like Albon was in the seat last year, I think if that delta had been as big as it... Well, I, I think if, if if this delta existed now in 2020, there probably would be more pressure on it because, you know, Max was winning odd races, that Red Bull was running odd races, but it wasn't like uh, the package that it is now. Um, so I, I, again, I think it's when, you know, it, it's a good time for Sergio to be quite a bit off Max at the moment. Um, but, you know... I think Mercedes are going to take a step forward next year for sure. I think Ferrari, hopefully, they they sort out their stuff. And then if there's three teams fighting, then I think Checo does need to find a way of getting closer. Not just for for himself, but to help out a title challenge that probably will be a thing for Max.
0: By the way, side note, I actually checked, and uh, Valtteri Bottas did score points in Australia. So I think you're bang on with that Australia merchant line, to be fair. Um, But back on topic, I think it should... um... (laughs) It should be said that, I mean, Sergio does have a contract until 2024, so there is some kind of security there. And, you know, if he does get kicked out, at least there is kind of a buyout, I suppose, so he'll get a bit of money from that. I don't know if that actually kind of adds anything to, you know, to Sergio being at Red Bull because... But again, like,
1: it, what, what would be the advantage of kicking him out? I I, I don't understand. Like, yeah. yes, we can we can acknowledge this gaps here, but I don't think he should lose the seat at all. No, not not in the slightest. Like, what, what would be the benefit of doing that?
0: I think it all depends on next year and how and what the gaps relative gaps are because Formula One changes so quick and I mean if Red Bull or sorry if Mercedes and Ferrari are much closer at the moment the the disparity between you know the delta between uh, especially in qualifying it's not really hurting Red Bull because Max is winning every single race and even then you know Sergio is still able to pick up some decent points and have some good scraps uh, you know with the with the Ferraris and Mercedes but it's all about next year and mentally is he gonna still going to be strong if that gap kind of continues or I don't think it's going to get bigger. I think once it gets to eight tenths or seven tenths or, you know, close to a second, then I do think we start need to start worrying, kind of look at the performances a little bit closer. But if it stays at half a second, yes, that's quite big. But mentally, if he can survive that and it's not, if it's not hurting Red Bull, then I think that's totally yeah. fine. And also, I think you said what is their other option like? Alex, I think, is always there. We know that he still has those Red Bull links. Obviously, he still has the Red Bull branding uh, on his helmet as well. So there's some kind of tangible links, even if it is just the sponsorship. So,
1: but I think that might be gone now, no? Since he signed his extension with Williams.
0: Oh, really? Well, there I you go. Think, I,
1: th- I think that's I think that's now over. But there's there's not fully confirmed. But I think there was some like cryptic kind of wordplay from Alex around it, and I think he was like basically that. But I guess there's still a human relationship there, so you can never write
0: it off, right? exactly and i think re- that's why you know we talk about was it fernando alonso he's been back at that endstone team what three times now or like mm-hmm. he's, he's raced yeah. for them three times and just keeping those red bull relationships <laughs> you know with marco having a little dinner uh asking him at marco you know how's, <laughs> how's sergio doing how's sergio Oh, he's, he's you know it's quite far off uh, off max these days <laughs> and i'm, I'm bombing out williams man. i'm doing i'm buzzing uh but just keeping those relationships i think is good so it's mm. yeah but they don't have options at the moment i mean I think Gasly is trying to find a way out as much as he can. He's just like, get anyone in my seat. I want to be, I want to be Alpine. And, uh Sonoda's nowhere near ready he i think i think they would like to have Sonoda at red bull maybe one day with with the honda links and maybe yuki also he was i think he's quite good for the brand you know he's he it seems like he's you know enjoying yeah. life behind the scenes at red bull uh slash alfa but as a driver mentally he is nowhere near ready for a top team let alone even no. talking Agreed. about the performance like is he gonna be able to handle the car just mentally yuki needs to mature a lot more i think so there's no rush in trying to find anyone, so...
1: I've I've heard uh, an interesting theory on Nick DeVries, and... I, is this I, I on think Twitter? This, well, I'd probably. Um, but I, but I, I think it does hold water. You know, obviously, all this talk of Nick DeVries potentially after having this meeting with Helmut Marko, which is confirmed, so it definitely did happen. Um, and, you know, Nick is 27, so he's, what, five years younger than Sergio, and you you've got to think that maybe... You know, right now, in terms of the Red Bull talent pool, there's no one really shining. Um, And I guess that's part of the reason why Horner's, you know, annoyed with himself that he missed out on Piastri. But I think that, you know, using that seat um, to get a Nick DeVries in, who's, you know, got a great relationship with Max, um, not just because they're Dutch, but they are actually like mates. Yeah, back in the day,
0: the karting days, mate.
1: Exactly. Uh, And, you know, maybe as a, you know a replacement to Checo down the line. They're potentially thinking about De Vries. He's a bit younger. You know, he's got that great relationship with Max, so probably would play ball as well. Um, you know, that that kind of makes a lot of sense to me, I suppose, because, again, the Red Bull aren't looking for someone to, to jump in and, and, and upset the apple cart because, you know, Max is in a fantastic position. And it would take one hell of a driver, by the way, to come in and reach Max Verstappen's levels um or come anywhere near so i think you know red bull were quite you know that whole those rumors and, and that conversation about that Devries to alpha Tauri move i to me that that smells like they're thinking long term about even, even the colton Hurton, with
0: even the colton hurts i think for the red bull brand they were like you know he's american so that also indycar driver there is something exciting there was this kind of momentum around colton so they're actively mm. looking for people to you know, clearly not from their talent pool, because they think everyone in F2 is just doing a, you know, not not good enough, which I think is kind of interesting. But yeah, they're clearly actively looking for drivers. So the Colton Hurts, I think it kind of came and when, now they're on negative reason. There's just, yeah, there's it's it's weird. I think for, in terms of what this means for Sergio, I think he's in a good place, because I think nothing is going to change in the next year or two, even with the gap that he's got to max at the moment. But
1: I, I think as well, like, you know, Red Bull's philosophy around this whole Tor Rosso. Tari team, this is literally my video this weekend, by the way, um, not weekend, this week, plug. and um, plug, and you know, th- their philosophy around that team has changed, right, it, it started as a junior team, they started it 351 days after they purchased Red Bull Race, um, Jaguar for Red Bull Racing, they purchased Minardi, not even a year after, Um and, and rebranded it to Torosso and that was the, the stepping stone right but the whole you know rebranding to AlphaTauri becoming a sister team because at the end of the day like you look at that 2019 Rosso livery and it's just Red Bull right they're just promoting Red Bull that's what it's just it's just more marketing for Red Bull but what was the value they were getting out of it because it's you know fighting in the midfield not much really Um, so now stick the AlphaTauri name on it clothing brand boom and then yeah the fact that they're talking about drink, bringing drivers from outside obviously Colton Hurt are you know is young, yes, but also being stateside, Red Bull is huge in the States. You know that they're looking at those factors as well. Um and the fact that again they they're entertaining De Vries, which is a very un Toro Rosso move. Um because I think, you know, you, I think Toro Rosso's the junior team, AlphaTauri's the sister team. And again, that pivot just says a lot about, you know, uh, I think that I think that team's getting sold soon. I can't lie. I think that team's getting sold very soon.
0: I mean that team is red bull aren't shy and obviously you know we've both spoken to you know people that have said that red bull in some of alpha tarry they're, they're openly for sale like if anyone wants to come in that team is for sale right now we can make it tomo grand prix we can make you know we can buy it tomorrow we've um, got
1: well we have got well no we haven't actually have we got money yeah we have got monetization on this uh podcast so
0: you know there you go, exactly. So there might be an Alphatari buyout for this podcast, exactly. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, I think that team, the function of that team, has definitely changed, and I feel like one of the reasons why they wanted to make it Alphatari is to show that look, this team from a commercial viability, it can sell, it can sell a product. Like that's what this team, that's what this team can do. And I mean, uh, Pierre Gasly and uh, Yuki Tsunoda, they're per- mate, They're runway models. Like every single time I see them in that Alphatari yeah. stuff. I'm just like, yeah, fair play. Maybe, maybe you're doing it right. They even
1: use they even use Max and Checo. Even Christian
0: Horner, they get him on the modelling as well. So do you remember? I, I remember seeing that. I think on Instagram at one point, I was like, whoa. And then Twitter obviously blew up with it. But yeah, it's an interesting scenario. The, the entire where the what the state of the Red Bull Driver Academy is as well. They've got again, what are they going to do with the with their F two Juniors as well? I mean, I think that's still kind of strange. I mean, if you're not if you're seriously not considering any of them, and you're looking for. Colton Hurt, and now you're looking at for nick DeVries what's the point of you know stringing along your your juniors in F2 as well so yeah it's it's a weird kind of state uh, that Red Bull are in at the moment with both of their teams but I think the main point is that their number one driver the guy that they backed when he was 16 years old to put him in Formula 1 he is delivering right now and I think that's kind of all they care about to be honest and Sergio you I think you actually kind of said it right in terms of like this is a good time to be underperforming because Red Bull are dominant with Max and there's not exactly a line of junior drivers to to replace Sergio Perez so he has time he has kind of kind of stability uh, as much stability as you as you can have with uh with Helmut Marko around so yeah i think the future for Sergio is kind of stableish at the moment and even if the gap stays at half a second in qualifying and he's able to pick up the points and pick up the pieces when say you know max is out of the race or the other teams are struggling i think Red Bull are in kind of a, a good position at the moment but i'll ask you uh, one really quick question before we move over from the, this topic Moving forward though, who do you think one driver, one name, who is the future in your opinion, after Sergio Perez, whenever that is, maybe next year, maybe maybe the year after. Who do you think is the potential future?
1: I'm gonna say. I think I think DeVries. I do. I, I I think that that moves being lined up. I think that's what they're looking to do. I I, I agree. I I think Sonoda Sonoda's that there, there's there's raw pace there, there's a rough diamond there, but I think they still need he still needs time, and uh, he's he's I'd love it to be Yuki, but again I just think you know for what Red Bull want and need, and when they want that they you know that clear one-two dynamic, great relationship there between the two of them, yeah, I, I could really see you know once you know once Checo does eventually leave Red Bull Racing, <clears throat> I, I I could very much see Nick de Vries in that seat. What about you? <laughs> ah, so you're not escaping without answering it. No, no, no. I know
0: exactly who I'm going for. It's uh, it's your boy. I still think, Alex... Really? Yeah, the Red Bull experience and the more he's going to be at Williams, the more he grows mentally. And as a driver, I think he's already, you know, done a fantastic job to, to bounce back in 2022. I could see him as he's carrying that team. Depends who his teammates, of course, because that could be very interesting for next year. But as he carries uh, Williams for the next few years, if if they see cuz we don't know what de Vries is going to be in formula 1 by the way he had that fantastic debut but and I don't want to play it down but you know there is a bit of latifi tax on that and when you get to alpha tauri uh pressure ramps yeah. up you know alpha tauri and the red bull and the red bull program whatever is not williams so how how Nick de Vries is going to handle that mentally i think we're going to wait and see i do think an all dutch lineup by the way chaos at red bull i mean that would just be that, that would be uh, content for f1 twitter no doubt about it so uh, kind of a w there but i think I don't think Alex is completely off their radar, and in two or three years, when Alex is kind of the finished article of what he could be as a driver, all of the experience, all of the learning, and maybe he is a little bit quicker than Davriza in two or three years' time when Sergio's time is up. I'm not saying I'm not saying no. Yeah,
1: I I, I think obviously there is that that tire connection as well, obviously to Rebels ownership. Um, I think that you know, I think that can't be understated either. Yeah, I I do. I, do I just wonder, we also you know, don't
0: know the, the problem with Williams as well is that. We don't know where they're going to be. There's, I mean, yeah. I guess they're making progress, and it is very difficult. I understand that in Formula One, but I could honestly easily see them in two years' time still being last. It, I just that could still, yeah. Be.
1: I, I guess it, it, it massively does depend on that, right? Because obviously, yeah, if Alex does his, he's got what two, so he's he's guaranteed that team to the end of twenty four, right? Because he's got that. Well, I mean, nothing's guaranteed in F one contracts, basically worth toilet paper off your ass, but, um. You know, you've got that, I guess, yeah, depending on how that Williams car develops, because obviously going back to Red Bull and this whole conversation was had around Pierre Gasly, had around David Kvyat, of them, you know, the the idea of them going back to where it went wrong for them um, is certainly a risk. But again, obviously, like you say, like when Albon was in that Red Bull seat, it was his second year in Formula One. Um, you know, if he was to go back in, say, 2025, it would be his what sixth whatever it is. Um, so yeah, it would be a very different driver. I think yeah, that depends a lot. I mean, I really hope Williams pick it up and get become a semi competitive car. And hopefully, again, in in three four years time, this sliding development scale and the cost cap will start to kind of pay dividends. I guess yeah, I, I would. That would be a big decision for Alex to make, but maybe maybe.
0: I think, yeah, if Red Bull do come calling and they're still a top team and you're still kind of, okay, you're not 10th, but you're 9th in the Constructors' Championship yeah, with Williams, there's still will. no progress. How would you roll turn that dice. down again? Roll you, the dice, you, yeah. You definitely roll the dice. So, yeah, I'm not, but I think there's options for Red Bull, but it's clearly not something that's going to happen in like in the next year, in my opinion. But I'm not giving up on your boy. I'm not giving up on your boy. Actually, do you know what, Bennett? Get Alonso and He's got the same driving style as Max. no <laughs> doubt to anything. I'd love to see that. I'd
1: love oh, to man, see man. that just for a race.
0: Just give him like a three race stint. Honestly, that's all I like, just sign him to like a three race deal for the end of the season. Like Alpine, <laughs> you, you can you can you uh, can put uh, Pierre Gasly in and you know get Nick DeVries and uh, Alpha everyone just get that stuff going and give Alonso that car for the last three races. Actually, I'd love to see that.
1: I've got one question as well, right? Say Max gets the title sewn up this weekend, right, at Singapore. <laughs> Do you chuck Sonoda in the Red Bull, chuck like Gasly in the Red Bull, maybe swap the drivers around? And just see what happens. Like that would be, I know people would be up in arms. But are I was saying, are you saying, get rid of that. Max
0: for the for the? Let him chill in Monaco to play. If FIFA. he's won the
1: champion, just no, just stick him in the AlphaTauri, see what he can do. You know? Oh, That'd be, okay, that okay, would okay. be sick. Just swap the drivers. I'd love to see that.
0: Well, according to Laurent Rossi, a driver's like a driver is only like five percent of the performance. You know, he can't do Max. For Sam can't oh, do anything. I saw that earlier. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah. another L. But anyway. <laughs> to be fair i'd love something like that and the problem is red bull are the i mean we're in like imaginary land but red bull are the only team that i could actually see doing that like yeah should we just give yuki a stin in the Red that would red be bull?
1: great marketing come on alec max verstappen in an alpha towery that would be sick marketing exactly
0: the double world with the number one on the alpha towery
1: <laughs> mate that's the thumbnail fuck it that's what i'm doing for this thumbnail
0: <laughs> oh quality cool. it sorted there you go uh but uh, that'd be awesome. But, no, I give it to Alonso. I'd wanna I wanna see him in that Red Bull just for the bants, but uh, but yeah, either way I think Red Bull uh, and the Sergio Perez kind of story, although it's it's a bit sad how it's turned out because I think all, going back to Saudi Arabia, actually, the one thing that really stuck with me is an interview with Christian Horner where he said Up you know, in 2021 there were so many ups and downs for that side of the garage, and we forget the people working on Sergio Perez's car that aren't, you know, to do with Max's car. And it was so good to see their guy get pole position and have this kind of uptick in form. And I kind of do feel for that side of the garage a little bit. But yeah, that's just, uh, that's Formula 1. We'll see what happens with Sergio Perez. But yeah, that's kind of um, our thoughts on the future of that second uh, of that second Red Bull seat. And the saga continues, mate. Ever since, we're back where we were in 2019, just Max is doing a bit better. So yeah, can't wait for the next installment uh, in 2023. Um, now we are going to quickly actually uh, cover some, uh, little bit of news actually in Formula 1. I was going to say big news, but... I think that kind of be over-egging it just a little bit. Um, Latifi, I'm just going to let you cook, mate. You go for it. Latifi's out for 2023. Williams have... What I found interesting, and I know this is kind of like normal, but they haven't even found a driver, but they've straight up just said Latifi's gone. Mm. Usually, you yeah, you announce that Latifi is gone, but sometimes you have that kind of driver announcement right away. Like uh, with the way Mercedes and Alfa Romeo kind of sorted uh, Bottas out, Like it was announced that Valtteri was leaving and Alfa Romeo already had the contract signed up. Williams have there's no speculation anymore. they just said he is gone, but we don't actually have a driver yet. So, Latifi, out. Yeah, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think that Williams said that they um they basically wanted they kind of lent on Nicholas to to when it was going to be announced, and and he wanted to announce it sooner rather than later, which is which is fair enough because you know obviously after Monza the the noise around him was was you know fr- from ourselves from the community fr- from everyone was was pretty deafening um because you know that was that was it, that was the final now. And I think it's it's the right thing to do to just get that announced early doors so that the news is out there. We know he's leaving. There's no more questions around oh my god, they might actually keep him, blah blah blah. Like I think it's better for all parties that it's When that Divries announced- by the way
0: when that DeVries stuff was kicking off I was honestly like it might happen, you know. If they don't trust Logan Sargent they might just like re sign him again and that would have been oh my God. Chaos. That's what
1: I mean. And I think they just needed to put a pin in that. To be like, right, no, Latif is definitely going. Um, it takes that kind of, <clears throat> that pressure off of Williams and that pressure off of Nicholas, I think, to an extent, because he could just probably drive with a bit more freedom now no, Now that it's kind of out out there. So I, I, I think it's it was the right decision um, to announce that. And, and I think it's the right decision to not rush, I guess, on a driver, unless, of course, and you know, I've asked this question myself and, you know, I think the overwhelming response at the minute is, is Williams need to, you know, throw the kitchen sink at, at Nick De Vries to try and get him in. Um, because obviously, you know, he, he's done enough clearly to put himself in the shot window where you've got three teams, you know, seriously considering him by the look of it. So, um, I was going to say, what if, what if
0: Alpine and AlphaTauri throw an even bigger kitchen sink at him?
1: And their sink is bigger. You know, that they've got more performance. So you've got to think that, you know, if Nick De Vries is... is you know, there's no guarantees of anything, right? You, you look at Ricardo going from from um, from Renault to, to McLaren, and you know, you you had a very different driver I, I, in both cars, right? And, and I think De Vries, obviously he's tested in Mercedes cars, He's, you know tested only the, the McLaren Mercedes. Left. Yeah, that is, well, it's true. It's true. Maybe and then he's maybe got all whatever. the
0: Mercedes Infinity stones, mate. he's got all of them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, I just. I don't, know. I don't know what the best decision would be for, for Nick. I, I mean, you've got to think Alpine because that is, a manu- it, that is a manufacturer and it's probably the fourth best car at the minute. So, you know, that option is going to be tempting. Um, obviously, Logan Sargent isn't guaranteed enough super license points. And we know from the hurt situation that the FIA aren't prepared to make concessions around that. Um, although, if it's someone who's come through their own FIA Formula 2 championship,
0: Maybe they do they love would. their little pyramid. They
1: do, didn't they? Um so yeah, I, I I I'm I'm not really I mean, yeah, the decision was a no-brainer as for who replaces. I think you know, if if they can get Nick DeVries, get him signed now, I think probably do it, and then give Logan like another year in F2 and then maybe reconsider because obviously Logan's not won F2, so he can do another season. Um but yeah, I I'm not, I, I think if if they can get DeVries in, I think like I said earlier, right? Having two strong drivers who are at a similar level. And look, we don't know exactly what Nick DeVries level is going to be because I think Monza's one of the easier tracks to just jump in at late notice, right? Because it's straight to track and that every raccans.
0: single junior driver driven at a million times as well.
1: Exactly. They've got loads of experience there. So I just think that yeah, I I'm not too sure what the best course of action is, but if I was Williams, I would as much as I love Logan Sargent, I probably my option 1 would be Try and get Devries, get him signed down now. If you need to wait and he still wants to weigh up his options, fine. Wait until after Abu Dhabi, then you know if Logan's an option.
0: Um, Unless Christian I, Horner steals Logan Sargent as well. Ha! Imagine. I mean,
1: that could be a risk. Yeah, this is actually, a risk.
0: Listen, Nikki, I know we kind of binned you off, but we don't have anyone else, mate. Can you come back? <laughs> Do you know what was quite interesting, also? I know Matt joked last episode that, you know, what's the point of watching uh, Abby Dhabi Formula 2? That final race, there is a hell of a lot. I know the championship's over and Teo Porcher, I also think he's going to finish second or whatever, but there is a hell of a lot. I'm looking at the championship standings. There's a lot of riding on that last race. Like, anyone of Logan Sargent, Jack Doohan, Jenson DeRuvala, Enzo Fittipaldi and even Liam Lawson down to second, uh, d- sorry, down to seventh, could all finish third. Like, there is a lot of riding on that weekend. Is there four drivers on the same points? It's, I think four? that there's within uh nine points there's like four drivers which is nuts and then Liam Lawson is a little bit is like a few points behind so about 15 points separates three four five drivers it's
1: crazy I, I think I think Logan needs p6 minimum if he does an fp1 with Williams because if he does an fp1 with Williams he gets one super license point for that and then I think he needs to finish p6 to
0: get the to 40. be honest I'm actually not thinking. I'm thinking less about the super license because I think it's going to get it anyway. I'm thinking about the optics and the momentum. If you finish, th- you know, if you finish sixth and only just scrape enough points, it doesn't look quite as good. If you finish third, I mean, that's that's a lot. How better, much do like you just... think the
1: teams actually care about that, though? Because obviously they know the driver. They've got all the data. They know the context of how certain situations have panned out. So, how much do you think the? Because I know we as fans, right? We 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 look at the the numbers and it's very easy to oversimplify. But these teams, they have the data. Like, if Logan, like, has a really strong quality, really strong race, and then the car blows up in both the sprint and and, and the, the feature race, you know... Like it did at Paul Ricard, the, basically. Basically. Would the, surely the team wouldn't really care too much because they're looking at the performance, no? I know the optics aren't great, but I was does the team care about that?
0: That is the exact word I was going to use. I think it's more the optics of Logan coming in. Like, you, you're talking about... Yeah, this guy's had a lot of bad luck, but you know, you're bringing in a guy who finished sixth in Formula Two in his, you know, in his rookie season. Like, the, it's just, I think it's more the optics. I think the team like trust him, and they're gonna hopefully they do put him in for a free practice one session at some point. I don't oh, know if it's, to, yeah, I don't know if it's confirmed or not, but yeah, I think it's more the optics and the way he comes into Formula One at that point. Like, you're coming in finishing third, you know, just uh, you know, it it kind of looks a little bit better. I don't think it's massively important, but just for the momentum, just for the narrative, I think it's it, it's better if he secures that P three. But jack doing is not is also you know in line for that alpine seat so that final race there's a there's a lot hanging on like there's a lot uh, to play for so i can't wait for it to be honest but yeah um kind of also rounding off the whole nicholas latifi thing uh, i definitely think that it was good that they kind of they kind of announced it as early as they could because ultimately he wasn't good enough Uh, i think he was making progress in 2021 but I think Abu Dhabi was massive for him mentally. I think the mental effect it had on that, and I understand all of the backlash and how unwarranted it was, but in Formula One, at the top level of sport, being having the ability to drive a car is is almost maybe not even as important as the mental factor as well in terms of being able to survive in that environment, being able to prove people wrong, being able to come back from a position of really struggling and I don't think he ever got over Abu Dhabi 2021, to be honest. I think it's something that Jos Capito talked about at the beginning of the season. He kind of, he said, yeah, you know, Nicky had a str- you know a bad start, but he has progressed a little bit. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. The cars got better. He got those upgrades, I think, in Silverstone. And the performances ultimately have not gotten better. So he's just a driver who I think ultimately and very simply wasn't good enough to be in Formula 1. He had the money at the time. He was in the right place at the right time, he's a great guy, no doubt about it. You know, I'm not even comparing him, you know, personality wise to someone like Mazepin. But ultimately, he doesn't have enough driving talent, and he wasn't good enough to be in Formula One. It was the money that kept him there. And now Williams very clearly realised, and this is something I was talking about last year, his level of performance is capping that team. They have a yeah. they have a cap of what results they can get with him at the team. So it was time to go, no doubt about it.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Like I, I think the 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 consistency of Alex not even getting into the points but getting close to the points like the amount of P11s, twelves, thirteens um, he's had where you know you put yourself P11 and it takes one person having a shunt at the front and then all of a sudden you, you sneak in the points uh, and you know Nikki was just nowhere near um, and yeah again I, I I I'm not surprised you know I'm we we've had our fair share of uh, Twitter pylons when you know people don't like what we say and and it's it's not nice. And I can't even begin to I imagine. I don't know what like,
0: you're talking about, Tomo. I don't know what you're <laughs> talking about.
1: <laughs> I can't even begin to imagine how you know going through that, knowing that you're forgetting all the the online you know stuff, putting all that to one side, just knowing that you know it was the the impact that what happened, what his 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 kind of action, his his crash, happened, and how that you know, has changed the course of of Formula One history to an extent. And knowing that there was so much, you know, same could be said for Michael Massey, right? And knowing how much anti-YOU sentiment there was brewing amongst a lot of people, um, that must be incredibly, I can't even begin to imagine how tough that that must have been on, on on a mental level. So so there's no doubt because uh, because I think he was more comfortable in the 2021 car than he's been in this 2022 one. I I, I think that gap to Alex has been. I don't think he understands
0: I... it as well. Even even yeah. Ronza, we're what more than two thirds of the way through the season, he's still talking about the car as if he's yeah. uncomfortable and he doesn't understand what's going wrong. He doesn't understand why is it working for Alex. Why is it working for Nick, who's only just jumped in about 20 minutes ago, and it's not working for him. But I think all of that could have been you know. Abu Dhabi 2021. All of that could have been silenced by performance. If he was out, 100%. you know, if he was outperforming Albon, what you know, people can say whatever they want about you know what happened last year. That would have been the the, the thing that would have silenced. Well, it would have given him confidence,
1: it wouldn't it? His confidence exactly. was already muddied. It would have given him belief in himself. But also, like I, uh, maybe this is nothing to do with it. But I wouldn't be surprised. You know, Latifi is a driver who didn't start in carts till he was twelve. Um, most of these kids start when they're eight, and that four years, and that you know. I I've I've watched I watched a really good video actually yesterday it was talking about you know the things that Latifi said in terms of you know when he was at that early stage he didn't have that natural feel he had to kind of learn it on a more like whiteboard level of how to drive and it wasn't going off instincts and you just think that at that early stage I think Latifi was was never going to be able to become this you know absolute natural feel that a driver like Hamilton Verstappen Leclerc Norris whoever has and Unfortunately, like you say, again, you know, I think the the mental battering he would have taken after after the end of last year, then jumping into this car with your new teammate, who's immediately like miles ahead of you on pace. I mean, no wonder he hasn't been able to turn it around. Unfortunately, because I just think it's a combination of of, of a lack of confidence, but also just not having that natural ability.
0: Yeah, it's a combination of the ability, the mental side, and again. Williams, I think they, they kept him a year, too, a year too late, to be honest. I, there's always this talk of, oh, look how much a, a stable driver, even having one driver at the team, how much it could help us next season. I, I think that's so overplayed. Like, if they had a brand new driver lineup for this season for a brand new set of regs, I think they would have had better results. I, even if you put someone like Hulkenberg in there, who has never been at that. Actually, no, he has been at yeah. the team, of course, made his debut for them, but you know, that was like almost a decade ago. I think it's overplayed how much stability and continuity actually aids you by the end of the season, but Maybe. Anyway, ultimately, you know, we'll see where he goes. Obviously, I don't. He's going to be nowhere near Formula One because if you're if you're not good enough to be at the back of the grid, you're not good enough to be in Formula One. But whether he goes to sports cars or I don't, I don't, know, Formula E or something, I think there is still, you know, he still can have a career. But I think his legacy, looking back, is one of the last kind of pay drivers where we looked at him and said he was a pay driver and he was not good enough to be in Formula One. To be honest,
1: yeah, because I, I think there's a, there's a lot of drivers who have you know had not particularly successful F one careers and have gone on to do well elsewhere. Like I think Marcus Ericsson is a really good example um, where he's kind of, you know, wins the Indy 500, has made himself a kind of staple in that series. Um, he's also some uh, yeah, jokes
0: on Twitter as well, just to he add, is. add that as well.
1: He is. He's very good at shitposting. And with Latifi, I, you know, obviously he's, that Safina support is going to help him. That support from his dad is going to help open opportunities. This is also a driver who finished, you know, second in Formula 2. You know, he's he's had his his moments. I think, you know, again, sports car, Indy car, Formula E, I don't know. I uh, Maybe, you know, obviously there's all this LMDH uh, new category stuff. You've got Porsche coming in, Ferrari and all that. So I don't know. I, I He'll be fine. Like he, There's more to motorsport than just Formula 1. And he's still fair. Well, he's like 27, 28, I don't know, something like that. So he, he's got years in him to do what he wants and i think that f1 i mean look maybe there was i, I was wondering whether he would potentially step back into like a reserve role um just to keep that um money coming in in the same kind of way as obviously you got robert kubitzer who's out for him he's obviously not the driver he once was which is a crying shame because he was i think to someone like a has i think
0: that could work for someone like a has maybe be honest, they need the money like just have him maybe. as a kind of reserve driver a few fp yeah. ones next year
1: i could see that i i think if if there was a reserve driver opportunity on the grid i think Haas would make the most sense but
0: we'll see and also really quickly uh yuki Sonoda obviously getting a contract for next year as well kind of by the skin of his teeth i think it's kind of it's such an interesting year for yuki Tsunoda in terms of like it's been such an up and down like uh seeing his uh 2022 but yeah he's uh he's staying for next year how do you what do you think of that
1: well, in the last pod, we were talking about drivers potentially, and you weren't convinced, were you? You weren't convinced he was going to be
0: kept. I not Yeah, I don't. Think, I didn't think he was like surefire. Let's sign him up right now because there was some pressure from other drivers, but uh, clearly, I'm, I'm, don't get wrong. I am glad that he secured it because I am still hoping, I am still praying that next year everything comes together and he's going to be, he's going to be the next Max Verstappen. He's going to be go to Red Bull. He's going to win races. Yuki Tsunoda, because. I love Japanese drivers. I love Japanese kind of motorsport and car culture and I want to see a Japanese driver do well but yeah, he's definitely been unlucky a lot this season but it's, again, he's got a contract for next season so we go again. We go again. I would
1: love to have seen this current calibre Yuki Tsunoda where he's clearly made a step forward in terms of performance. Still has a big mistake in him, don't get me wrong. Um, But still, has clearly made a step forward. I'd love to have seen him in this current form in last year's car because last year's car, could put it top I mean Pierre Gasly put that top six qualifying like most of the time, literally. So I I think that car not being at the level has has definitely hindered his ability to show how much he has improved. Um but there are still there's still big caveats, but I think, you know, whenever you look at you know, numerous people, uh, team principals have talked about this, uh but not I talked about this with, with Leclerc, you know, you'd rather a driver that oversteps the market and rein them back than one that isn't prepared to go to that level. Now, I'm not saying Sonoda's on Leclerc's level in terms of driving performance at all, but what I'm saying is that, you know, you'd rather someone who overextends a bit and pull them back than someone who isn't prepared to go to that edge. So, yeah, I'm still confident in Yuki, I think, as well. The fact that, you know, imagine if Red Bull had a talent pool of coming for F2 of the likes of, of Russell and Norris uh, you know, that would maybe make Yuki's seat a bit more at risk. Um, but yeah. none of the Rebel juniors have really stamped their case on this F2 season. And as much as, you know, yeah, Lawson's got enough super license points um, now for sure. Like, I just do because there hasn't been that pressure, that real pressure of someone really strong coming through the
0: ranks. I think Yuki's, Yuki's good. Yuki's all right. And even his teammate, who has a contract for next year, he might not even be there. So yeah, it was kind of a safe choice. And I mean, again, I'm buzzing that he got the contract, but there was actually a, a little clip from a podcast that Tower do where I think someone asked Yuki, you know, what was your what's your best moment in Formula One, and he said Bahrain 2021. And I just thought, if your best moment after a year a year and two thirds is still your first ever race, something just still isn't quite clicking. But I think there is the driver in there but it's just I think mentally more than anything just maturing a little bit more and being able to harness I'm not sure he understands why he's quick and why he's not in that car and also how to manage races as well it's like over the course of a lap I think he can now hold it with Pierre Gasly for the most part on the right track but over the course of a a race distance whether it's little mistakes or whether it's even simple stuff like tire management I think there's something missing there and hopefully he can kind of gain it over time because yeah that's I think the only thing that's kind of missing from his armory and it's it's quite a big thing. Race management is literally where the points are scored. So, yeah. Yeah, we're going to see how he develops next year and if that rough diamond can continue to be uh shined and polished, but yeah, it's still pretty rough after after two years, but uh that's enough of the driver talks. Actually, just to really quickly end it. Obviously, next uh, next race is Singapore back for the first time since 2019, uh which seems nuts. Um I am absolutely buzzing. I mean, there's there's been a lot of talks about the 24 race calendar is there too many what tracks should stay what tracks are good what tracks are bad to me singapore absolutely it brings that variety it's a massive physical challenge for the drivers we're talking about a humid hot climate there's a very good reason why they drive at night and it's i i do like to see these challenges it is kind of mono kind of a quicker monaco but with a much more tricky environment and i think for people that have never you know raced on any level that physical, trust me, you feel that physical uh, aspect when you actually race yourself. Trust, it's trust this, Trust not.
1: Aldas. He knows. He knows, mate. After like an physical hour, F one car is around. No, the maybe C-O-4. not F one car, but like
0: <laughs> even even at the low level that I race in cars, like after an hour and a half stint in a car, you bloody feel it. After an hour ten, you're gone. So. I actually really like. I've almost come to appreciate and enjoy that physical challenge that the drivers get at Mm. Singapore and you know tracks like Malaysia. Even though obviously we're not back there anytime soon, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to getting back to Singapore. Should be good.
1: Yeah, same, same. No, it's uh, it's important for the calendar to be diverse where we go around the world, and you know, hopefully there's a South African Grand Prix on the on the horizon. We know that those meetings have happened. That's super important. But also, it's it's important that the actual tracks themselves are diverse. I think there's room for Monaco's there's room for you know spas there's room for Singapore's I, I think that like you say it, it offers a different challenge sure it's not the most overtakey track on the grid I get that but again in the same way that Monaco it excels in other ways I think qualifying's always I mean there's been some worldy qualifying laps around Singapore over the years and um, because there's just no margin for error and I think there's been some great races the humid temperatures you know, drivers probably more likely to make errors because it's such a, a physical experience. I guess we'll see if, um, I know Alex is trying to get ready for the race, but I That's wouldn't gonna be, be surprised. Right. <clears throat> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Nick De Vries uh, cosigns for that as well. And that would be one hell of a challenge for Nick if that is the case. I'm sure he's been flat out on the gym this week and um, trying to prepare himself best he can if he is needed. Just so- get those
0: neck muscles like pumping for Singapore. I was that's also going to say, out of all of the tracks to come back to after after surgery and after surgery complications, like Singapore is not the one on the, that I'd go. Yeah, that's the one I'd want to come back to. Like, I, it's... I
1: don't think he should race personally. I don't, I don't think. I don't yeah. think he should. I'm not a doctor, but I just don't think it's it's worth it given the context of, you know, I just think give 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 the Vries another seat, and then Williams have got even more data on him, you know
0: exactly yeah I, I agree as well but also looking forward to the fact that hopefully this track you know should bring ferrari and maybe even mercedes as well although i'm not quite sure how it's going to be with the singapore bumps uh it should bring those teams a little bit closer towards red bull so potentially a little bit more uh mix up so yeah red bull one two confirmed it, that, that probably after i've said that up, uh... <laughs> i
1: just want i just want lewis to win a race i just really want lewis to win a race before the end of the year um and i, I feel like this might be their best bet i don't know hard to say but like you said the bumps but it is slow speed is that so. british
0: bias i hear tomo surely not
1: <laughs> british bias exactly i want lewis to beat his british teammate exactly
0: british there bias. we go but yeah i'm looking forward <laughs> to singapore it should be hopefully a great grand prix everything and also kind of the run-up to uh, the remainder of the season and once again max emilien verstappen could wrap his uh, his 2022 championship up in singapore although ferrari would need to have a shocker wouldn't put it past them uh but yeah so that should be uh quite interesting as well but yeah tom have you got anything else or should we uh, are we ready to wrap
1: uh i think that's about it mate so uh, there'll it's be a lot it. more to talk about after next weekend's race also oh quick one as well but to everyone who's uh watching these podcasts are going going up earlier on audio only because it's much quicker to export the audio only so if you want to listen to these first then make sure you subscribed or whatever you do on spotify and apple podcasts and, and do all that stuff all right because these pods will be going up there first before they the video version goes on youtube so
0: and yeah. also don't forget to give us your five star rating massively it. appreciated it does help a huge amount but there you go wrapping this one up just me and tomo for this one once again i'm sure uh, the, the two for alls will be back uh for the next one hopefully we'll see if they uh, want to turn up uh well, i hope you did enjoy this one and if you did again don't forget to let us know all of your thoughts in the comments below and we'll see you in the next one Bye. Bye.